Hi guys, KO here. Today we are talking about food as medicine. This is probably more important than ever given the state of our world and CB19. So listen in as myself, Dr. Teddy Rosie, and former nurse Carla Jones talk about making some better decisions through food and changing the trajectory of our own health and wellness journeys through the decisions we make around what we eat. They even highlight conversations around speaking to our young people and kiddos, navigating around sugar in their lives at schools or their friends' houses, and listen all the way to the end when they give great tips on easy things you can do right now uh, to make yourself and your family a little bit healthier. Enjoy. Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila with your host, Kristen Olson. Questioning a better way, one gracefully disruptive conversation at a time. Good morning. Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila. I am very excited today. It's Saturday. It's uh, 8.20 uh, in Colorado. This is the first time we've podcasted this early. So uh, we've got a big cup of coffee and we are running on caffeine and positive vibes. I have two rock stars. I want to say in the studio because I try to do these all in person, but we're, we're digital now. Thanks to CV19. Shout out. Um, so we've got uh, Carla in the house, Carla Jones. She's an RN. And Dr. Teddy Bros. I'm going to let them do their intros. But this is a cool reconnect because I now know them digitally via one of my longtime good friends and former roommate from college, Jen Orr, who's also a health and wellness and fitness rock star. So it's really cool to see communities collide and us work collectively to make the world a better place. Uh, without further ado, ladies, uh, how are you? And, and welcome and give us your 411. Carla, do you want to go first or do you want me to? Oh, they're so polite. Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll go first. I, um, this is Carla Jones. I live in Lynchburg, Virginia. I've, um, I'm married. We've got three kids. We just had our third in December. So congratulations. We thank you. We are just, um, I've been a nurse for almost 13 years now, but, um, really the last three years, have um, I haven't been at the bedside in, in six years, um, but the last three years, I really, I was teaching when I left the bedside um, and now have kind of moved more towards the, the prevention side of nursing and health and nutrition. And that's, it, I'm absolutely in love with it. It is truly become a huge passion of mine. Awesome. What was your entry point into like really questioning a better way regarding nutrition? Like did something happen or? Well, my husband and I had kind of been on a health journey. Um, he was somebody, well, we have a significant history, uh, family history of disease and cancer in specifically and he was kind of living in fear that that was going to be him at some point, not when, not if, but when. Yeah. And so we had gone about trying to figure out, okay, how do we take control of our health? And it actually did not 
start with nutrition. It started with toxins and trying to get toxins out of our home. And that was kind of where we started at first. And then it kind of led to actually Jen reaching out to me about a simple way to elevate our nutrition. And okay. as a nurse, I, I was never taught anything about nutrition in nursing school, but I was taught about research and the importance of research in everything that we do as a nurse. And so when she said, okay, you know, here's a simple way to, to elevate your family's nutrition as a mom, it made sense to me. But when she started showing me the research behind it, that was the first time that I ever had really put two and two together of the relationship between nutrition and disease. And once I understood that, that is when that, that passion just caught on fire. And I thought, oh my gosh, how did, how did I get through years of nursing school and not know this? Why doesn't everybody know this? Uh, and it wasn't until I met Dr. Brozy that I, uh, well, and I call her Teddy because she's a great friend of mine. I said, I, I already messed up your name. I'm sorry, Brozy. Oh, no, it's okay. <laughs> uh, but that was when I just, it, it kind of even went another notch from there. You know, I was already on this health journey and she's just kind of raised it yet another notch. And it's, it's been incredible. It really has been. That's awesome. All right. Dr. Teddy Brozy. Did I get that right? <laughs> You got it. We'll get it by the end of the past. I, I promise. You know what? I hear all kinds of things when it comes to my name, and it's it, realistically, it's much easier than my maiden name. So um, I just tell I people to call me Madonna, that. you know. <laughs> I love that. Um, well, uh, my name is Teddy, Teddy Brody. I'm a family medicine physician in Lynchburg, Virginia. Um, I'm also board certified in lifestyle medicine, which is something that I pursued after getting out of residency. Um, I am originally from Eastern Europe, so from Bulgaria, and my family actually immigrated to the United States when I was about 11 years old. Um, and we've lived all over, but we settled here in Virginia after doing residency because it's just kind of an awesome place to live. Um, I'm married. We've got two kids that are 10 years apart. I tell, you know, my I always say it's my before school baby and my after school baby. Um, so that's why they're so far apart. Uh, and I am extremely passionate about food as medicine, lifestyle medicine, and really focusing on prevention, treatment, and reversal of disease. Uh, and that's even though I have a very, very traditional private practice, um, a part of a big group of uh, physicians that are in private practice, I, I, I really um, try to weave that lifestyle piece in with every single one of my patients. That's amazing. Okay. And how, how did, did you guys meet each other? Did you get, did you guys meet each other through Jen as well? As well? 
No, it was totally no? random. Yeah. Oh. So as soon as I got out of residency, I started a group here in Lynchburg called Eat Plants Lynchburg and um, kind of a support group. I'd been wanting to do it. But of course, during residency, there's like a lot of red tape. So you can't do a lot of independent things. And um, so as soon as I got out, I started that group and Carla walked in one day. She had, I don't even know how you heard about it, but um, she just walked in and that's how we met. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Okay. So you guys just hit it off and started, do you guys work together now? Just trying to collab when you can. Yeah. So we collaborate as often as possible. Okay. And were you, what was your journey into this? Like what made you all of a sudden be like, okay, this food matters. Like what was the turning point there? It was really as, as it happens with most physicians who become really interested in nutrition, it's really not because of education. It really happens through self-education during health journeys. Um, like my own personal health journey. When I was, um, when I was a teenager, I was actually a, a pretty athletic person. I did martial arts, um, on a very competitive level and then, uh, stopped doing that and started going back to school and, and gained a bunch of weight. And then came my daughter, uh, some more weight. And then at the age of 34, I kind of found myself um, almost morbidly obese, not quite, but pretty close and maybe had been uh, because, you know, when you get to a certain point, you just kind of stop weighing yourself. And then um, I went to have a physical before I could start my clinical rotations in medical school. And I had hypertension and I had high cholesterol. My cholesterol was pushing 300. And so that was a big wake up call. And I had no idea what to do. Um, and uh, I, I was kind of floored. I knew I had to do something. We, we always learn lifestyle, lifestyle, lifestyle. But I felt like I had tried everything and failed. And I remember going to my husband that night and I was just bawling. And we were on this balcony of this tiny apartment, medical student, uh, no money. And, and I didn't want my daughter to hear me because she was six at the time, seven, actually, I think. And I didn't want her to hear all this negative body image stuff. So we were on the balcony while she was watching a movie inside. And I was just bawling and my poor husband like I just never forget it he just kind of put his hands up and he's like I'll do whatever you want me to but I have no idea how to help you and I was just kind of like you know what I'm I'm gonna be a doctor in a couple of years and I have no idea how to help me it was such a helpless helpless feeling and um the next morning it was a Sunday and I was sitting down with a cup of coffee, uh, just getting ready to just start the day. It was a rare day off and I was flipping through the channels and there was, I landed on PBS. I don't know if you've ever watched PBS, but they have a lot of great specials. They do, they do like good on music and stuff, but yeah. They do lots of stuff. And yeah. then um, there was this 
doctor talking about food as medicine and it was Dr. Furman's eat to live special. And I was just glued to the TV. I called my husband. I'm like, you got to come in here and watch this with me. We watched it. And then I ordered every single one of his books with our last like $50 because he only had a couple at that time. And I, um, devoured them all in between studying, you know, for my exams and things. And we started following a nutritarian diet pretty much, um, right away. And it was definitely a struggle, but it was sort of a lifesaver. And that's how it really, that was the, that was the fuel that, that lit it. Um, and then later on through residency and, um, and all of that just kept learning more and more and eventually was exposed to obesity medicine through one of my, uh, uh, attendings and actually went to obesity week in New Orleans and was just so, so disappointed. There was, um, through, it was an entire week conference with physicians and nutritionists and dietitians, and it was all about medicines and procedures. I, I couldn't find a single talk on nutrition, none, not a single one. And I was like, I looked at my attending, I was like, this is not for me. This is not what I want to do. Um, and then strangely enough, I got to, I am, I reached out to Dr. Furman and invited him to Lynchburg. He actually came to Lynchburg and did a talk when I was a resident. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) I love it. Yeah, it was fantastic. I was very brave. I remember being terrified to like hit the send button on that email, but he was very gracious. (laughs) Um, And he is the one that introduced me to the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. I don't, you know, he just in in brief passing thinking this, this might be something more up your alley. And it was just, you know, it's like I found my tribe when I attended that meeting. Wow. Well, thank you, PBS. Thank you. Yeah. You never know what's going to come at you. Um, I think that's, that's, it's so funny. And this comes up in my cast a lot, how, you know, my type A humans, which I think we all are, you know, we're in, we're deliberate in what we do. We're intentional. And then somehow universe or God or whatever you believe or however you package it kind of comes through and like puts you on the right path. You just have to be aware and listening and open-minded to like taking the step. And that's really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but I believe when you do want to change the right thing finds you, mm-hmm. uh, I'm still learning that on so many levels. Me too. <laughs> It'll be a continuous lesson, I think. But that's that's amazing. Um, I want to get into your as YouTube, like the food is medicine, and you guys talking about like the immune system and everything, and how food can help cancer and, and prevention. Um, but I want to run on this a little bit more, talking about the lack of nutritional knowledge amongst doctors, doctors, and then uh, marketing in the nutrition and wellness space. I, that's uh, a lot where I run, uh, but we see how powerful marketing is and how uh, intentional these pharmaceutical companies are in getting out their products. So do you guys think that they don't teach doctors nutrition or nurses on purpose, or it's just too much to know, or do you think it's potentially strategic? So 
people can continue to eat terribly and then it helps pharmaceutical companies? I know this is a very loaded question, but um, give me like your, your stance on that. I know it's not like, well, it could be conspiracy, but I, it almost, what I see right now at this point, when I speak to doctors and I see how little, and I'm by no means a nutritionist, but how little conversation there is around like nutrition, they're prescribing all these drugs. And it's like, man, if you've got Crohn's, Crohn's disease, the conversation about changing what you're eating is almost like fifth or sixth. It's take all these medicines versus change you eat. And I, and I know people personally that have save their lives from rheumatoid arthritis and Crohn's disease just by changing their diet. Um, so tell me your view on the conversation around the lack of nutrition knowledge amongst our healthcare professionals. Well, I think that it's, it's definitely multifactorial, but um, the piece that's really clear is that one of the main reasons why it's not focused on in um, in medical school in particular is because it's not standard of care. It's not part of what doctors do, and it's not something we're tested on. And so, therefore, it's not. There's so much information to be learned in medical school, and that you have to know for your for your exams. That if it, it's just not going to be a priority, it's going to be mentioned but you're not going to get tested on it. So it's not going to be a priority. And, you know, I hate to say it, but pharmaceutical companies really, they do dump a lot of money into medical programs, medical school programs. So of course, uh, I'm certain that there are some influences there. Um, I have no doubt about it, Um, but I don't think it's on the, academic side in a sense. I think it's most likely on the side of exam writing and what becomes standard of care that you're going to be tested on because honestly, all your professors, they just want to make sure that you're well prepared for your exams. You're well prepared to teach, to, uh, to take care of your patients. Um, based on that standard of care. So until that standard of care changes, um, we, um, we, I don't see the system changing though that is changing currently. The American College of Lifestyle Medicine is really, really pushing. And it's my understanding that they are currently writing questions. They have been asked to write questions for these standardized exams that physicians have to take during their board certification um, steps that they have to require, that, that they're required to take. So I am optimistic (laughs) that's good to hear Carla did you want to add anything there yeah because I think you know and it's it's not just physicians it is nurses too because like I already said I mean I was I I was taught nothing not not one minute of any type of nutrition education outside of IV nutrition in a critically ill patient which is still not prevention it's treatment in somebody who's already critically ill. But I had a chance to meet um, Dr. David Katz. He is the founding director of Yale University's uh, Yale Griffin Prevention Research Center. 
And this was a, about a year and a half ago. I met him in Tampa, Florida. He did a talk at a nutraceutical conference that I attended. And I asked him afterwards when I had a chance to, to talk to him what, why physicians aren't taught or medical students aren't taught anything about nutrition in medical school. And he said, well, part of the reason, and I can't remember the exact, what exactly the, the title was, but basically the model that is used to teach medical students right now was last changed in 1920. Mm. So we are still teaching oh medical God. students based on a model when there was a lot of acute illness, infections, where you did need medications. That was how you treated it. It really wasn't about lifestyle, and we haven't changed it since then. And so it makes sense that, okay, we're still looking at medications, pharmacology. I mean, pharmacology was one of the most important classes we took in nursing school that was all about how you treat X, Y, and Z with medications. Yeah. So that was really an aha moment for me of, of understanding that. It's certainly not the physician's fault. They're not taught. And it's because the model that we're using is so old. And, and he said the same thing that, that Teddy said was, is that it is changing. It is just changing very slowly because money talks. And, yeah. and so right now, you know, with pharmaceuticals and things, that money talks. And so it's changing. It's just going to be at a much slower pace than anybody in this realm would like. Well, and I think that's, um, that's great to hear. And I appreciate that perspective on it. Cause I, I really don't think that, um, well, I shouldn't say, I, I, I think there is some responsibility for health professionals to at least have, uh, a, uh, a wealth of knowledge, obviously specific in whatever their practice is. And, you know, a conversation around nutrition. And if they don't know it, then here's the nutritionist you talk to, or here's my source. Just like the comparison of your coach on the field, they, they're not going to, if you sprain your ankle while you're, you know, playing lacrosse, they'll take you off and then send you to the training room. And they know that they can't fix your ankle right there, but they've got a partner in the game. Um, and I'm big on strategic partnerships and community and having your people in your back pockets. And I just wish that was exercised a little bit more of you guys already have to know so much as it is just have a strategic partnership somewhere that are the ability of the conversation to reference or recommend that person to, okay, here's your medical, um, here's our traditional diagnosis and what we do to treat it, maybe medication. And here's another option, you know, this nutrition, whatever, stretching, fascial stretching, um, maybe non-Western approach that you can also look into, like just planting the seed. Um, but furthermore than that, I really do think it is our personal responsibility at this point to take hold of our own health, question better ways. And this is why I get so excited about even stuff like this. If, if one person hears this podcast and is like, oh, I'm going to reach out to uh, Carla or Teddy and, and question better way or see what they think about this. And the upside is our young people 
are, they're consuming this digital media, you know, it's a double-edged sword where they, they're exposed to this knowledge way before we ever were. Um, I, I knew nutrition was important in college and I was, you know, a top 20 D1 athlete, but we're still eating McDonald's and, uh, Natty Light and all the crap, which I'm not saying even if I knew I would have cut it out cause I probably wouldn't have. But I at least could navigate around a few things, um, you know, pregame inflammation or what have you, that would have been invaluable. And I see kids now in middle school and high school that are paleo or they're Olympic lifting and they've, they've just questioned these things so much earlier and they'll refuse to take medications, which is good and bad, but uh, it, it's... I, they're just exposed to so much more information earlier. And if they're seeking information out, it's out there. I hope they can find the good stuff because there is a lot of crap out there too. But these conversations are just happening so much earlier. And uh, I think it's phenomenal that you guys are health professionals and a part of the nutrition side of things because it's such it's such a big deal. And then you take nutrition and you go one step deeper into how it impacts your hormones and depression and your skin and uh, so many other angles of your health that people don't necessarily lean into. I think it starts around the vanity point. Like I want to get skinny for spring break or whatever, or for sports, uh, versus like, I want to help my mental health, um, or question some of those things. So tell me a little bit as, as you guys are both moms, how are you handling this conversation with your kiddos around nutrition? Is it a lot of lead by example, or you're really getting into like the minutia of fruits and vegetables, like Give me, give me background on conversation with our youth. Well, <clears throat> I know that for my kids in particular, my daughter, of course, we were eating a pretty standard American diet when she was little. And when we transitioned mm -hmm. to eating a whole food plant-based diet, it was definitely a transition. It took about six months. Um, and I'm one of those like all in type of people. And so that was a little bit difficult for me, but I had to be patient because she was, I think about seven years old at the time. And, um, and so we, we really just tried to explain to her why we were doing it because, you know, different foods affect your body differently. But I think we mostly tried to lead by example for her at that age. Um, now that she's older and she's been exposed, like for instance, she was, she attended Dr. Furman's talk and I try to incorporate her. She's 15 now into as much of these conversations as possible. She, she, it's really important for her at this age to begin to understand um, the actual nuances of food. Uh, whereas my little little boy, he just knows that sugar is bad for you and that donuts have sugar. And so he'll go around telling his preschool teachers, you shouldn't eat that. Yes. That's got sugar in it. <laughs> <laughs> He's it. already scolding them, but he has no idea why. <laughs> yes, follow him on Instagram, y'all. <laughs> That's right. Love it. Uh, Carla, how about you? I'm a lot of in that same realm as well. We, I tend to be kind of a, an all-in person too, but our journey has definitely been much slower. Um, I probably also didn't have 
you know, Teddy had a lot of motivation for making those changes and making them quickly. Um, and I, not that I didn't have motivation because I did, I mean, I, I wanted us to take back control of our health, but it has been much slower too. My kids, when we started down this nutrition journey, were two and three at the time. So we still had very much control over what they are eating and, and still do to this day. The, the oldest two are now five and six, but I do, I'm a strong believer in showing them. And so I am probably about 90% plant-based at this point. Um, and I, so I show them, but we do also talk about it. You know, the thing, one thing that just drives me bonkers, and I, I know we may end up talking a little bit more about this when it comes to kids and athletics, but is the amount of sugar kids are given in sporting events. And so what I've done is just try to explain to my kids, you know, my son was given a Gatorade after one of his basketball games. I mean, I don't think the kid broke a sweat because he's six. <laughs> you know, I mean, he played, he ran for about 10 minutes total, probably the entire game. And they're giving them these eight ounce bottles of Gatorade with like 20 grams of sugar in it. And he actually, the day that he got that, he, he was starting to develop like a little bit of a cold. And so he was so excited and I, I had to take the Gatorade from him and I said, hey buddy, you, we're not going to drink this today. And he's like, well, but why? I don't understand. I said, well, monkey, I said, you're, you're getting, you're starting to get a little bit of a cold. And I said, and sugar only makes your immune system not work well. He's like, well, what's your immune system? So lots of questions, but I was able to stop and explain to him how, how I didn't want to just say, well, you can't have it. It's not good for you. Um, I wanted to really try and in, in terms that he could understand, help him to see that all of that sugar wasn't going to make him feel better. It might actually make him feel worse. And, and so now, you know, kind of like Teddy's son, you know, when we talk about different things, now my kids will ask, you know, at least once a week, can we go get ice cream? And I'm not to say that we don't ever treat them. Absolutely we do, but not once a week. And when I say no, my, my daughter will be like, is it because there's so much sugar in it? <laughs> yes. Okay. So they, they, they are understanding. It's not just, hey, ice cream equals bad, Gatorade equals bad, to where they don't understand why and just put a label on something. We're, I'm trying to teach them what does and they totally understand if i said hey what makes you fast and strong they will yell at me vegetables and fruit and all the things that they know are good for them and so i think that's the most important thing is, is you know showing them but also you know depending on their age helping them to understand why yeah I think yeah. that's super important. The why is so important, whether you're five or 50. I found in my practice, um, in working with people and with patients and friends and family, if you don't understand 
you're just not going to do it. It's not, or if you do do it, it's going to be for the short term because you don't have that understanding of what it's actually doing inside your body. Um, and adults are not really any different. Well, I, I think a lot, I, I, I completely agree. And I think a lot of that is, uh, generational, like, like we just, or I didn't grow up, you know, with, a, and I come from a sports family. Dad played D one football. Mom was a swimmer and we didn't really have conversation around nutrition. We thought we ate healthy, but it was still like canned ravioli and, you know, like basic stuff root by the foot. And it's, it is stuff we thought was healthy. So I don't think their generation really had that conversation. So it wasn't passed down to us. So I think it's so cool to hear you guys now talk to your kiddos that can then talk to their peers. So even if their peers aren't listening, um, you know, they're, they're that's where I think influencers really are real and there's deep power within it because you're surprised how influential one kiddo coming to school with a different kind of lunch or being like, there's too much sugar, how much that sticks in their peers' brains and how that just plants seed of questioning things and they go home and say, mom, you know, Johnny wouldn't eat this. What's up with that? Um, and that's big. How do you guys, you know, kind of leaning back into the business conversation, knowing our kiddos are consuming social media and media all the time with these, you know, companies that are sugar based, you know, kids cereals and whatever else that have massive marketing budgets. How do you guys handle, um, your kids going to like friends' houses and or, or sports practices when you're not there and they're exposed to all these, you know, unhealthy situations? Well, for me personally, my daughter is older now. So I think because we've been living it a long time, it's, it's much easier. I, I, you know, I used to get calls from her teacher that say she won't eat the pizza. Is that okay? And you know, I'm like, yes, that that's funny? okay. <laughs> it's really funny. Um, I'm, you know, we'll see how we navigate it with our five-year-old that ha we haven't had that experience. Maybe Carla can talk a little bit better, but the one thing is we don't don't have cable. Oh, and okay. so we, you know, the, the little guy, whatever he watches is, is on Disney or it's on Netflix. And so, you know, kind of minimizes some of his exposure, but every once in a while, like I was telling you earlier, I think before we were recording is that he will, he, there, there is, there is some commercials that he has seen either at friends' houses or, or other places where he'll quote them, um, like Arby's that's where the meat's at. And, you know, he's a kid that's never had me and we drive by an Arby's and he's like, look, mommy, that's where the meat's at or Bojangles. And that's, he, can we go to Bojangles? And I was like, we don't eat at Bojangles. Oh yeah. Okay. That's right. <laughs> you, know, it's like, oh. you know, so it's, you just have to gently remind them and then tell them why, remind them why is it that we don't eat there? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How about you, Carla? Um, that's, that's hilarious that we I've, I've known Teddy for a while now and I'm still learning how many similarities that we really truly have. <laughs> you know, our kids, because they are young, haven't had a lot of exposure of going to, you know, friends' houses or anything yet. Um, but I know we're going to be navigating that in the future. So we like Teddy and them, we do not have, we don't have 
cable. So, and honestly, even if we did, our kids are so spoiled now with recorded TV that you, you fast forward through the commercials anyway. So they haven't gotten a lot of exposure outside of, you know, going down the, the, the street and seeing, you know, McDonald's. Oh, can we go to McDonald's? Well, no, same thing. We, we just, we don't eat there and explaining why. And my kids now will go, oh, it's because it's unhealthy, isn't it? And I'm like, yes, <laughs> it is. But, um, but we, we have this year had to navigate, um, my son, is, we, we live in, our, in the city of Lynchburg, and so my son is at a school with um, a lot of, of lower economic status students. So they are a school that gets free and reduced, or no, excuse me, completely free breakfast and lunch provided every single day. And so we, we still, well, he eats breakfast at home, and we pack his lunch and have every single day of the year. And in the beginning of the school year, he kept asking, can I buy lunch? Can I buy lunch? And I, I didn't say no, but I kind of said, you know, well, let's just get through the first couple of weeks. But, and then he finally just quit asking, which I was very, very glad because I knew the things that they were providing for, for breakfast and lunch. But he did come home like the other day with a package of processed like donut whole thing. And I said, so I just, you know, I didn't scold him, but I just started asking questions like, oh, so where did you get these? Uh, he tells me his teacher gave them to the whole class. And I'm thinking, no way. No kindergarten teacher would give a bunch of students sugary donuts. And so in, in asking more questions, and, and eventually I happened to see his teacher, and I asked her, she said, oh, no, it was breakfast that another student brought in that was part of the breakfast given at school. And so I had to sit down and talk about why we don't eat this. And, and I, I, for him, I, I put it in the realm of you have to nourish your brain. You have to feed your brain. And when you just eat sugar, you're not going to be able to learn as well as, as if you didn't and you ate, you know, what we eat at home. So, you know, I put them in the drawer and after like a day or two, he forgot about them and I threw them out. <laughs> But, um, but that, that's just, you know, that, those are the things that we're already having to navigate. Well, why can't I go in and pick something up that, you know, they're telling me I can have it. And that's the thing that to me is still, I, I always want other parents to know that, yes, we, we eat a certain way. But I tell everybody, if I still stick a box of goldfish or bring in some donuts, my kids are not going to choose the apple over the goldfish or the donuts. They're going to go after the donuts. And so that's why I'm trying to really help them to understand why we choose the apple so that when they are old enough and they do are, are able to make that decision for themselves, Yes, I'm sure they will still at times pick the donuts or pick the goldfish, but when I'm not there and don't have control over it, that hopefully they will say, well, we don't eat that. Do you have an apple or 
something, you know, something like that would be my, would be my hope. But if they don't understand why, then they're never going to. Right. I think, well, the, the undertone from both of your guys' response, I think is really important where it's, you are creating space for conversation and then empowering them. And I even believe in the balance of not, you know, hence turmeric and tequila, you're, you're healthy sometimes, and then you have some fun and you let it be, you can't drive yourself crazy um, and stress yourself out about being perfect all the time. But I also think if you let kiddo, you know, you eat healthy, you do well, and adults as well. And then you let them eat the crap and then let them feel how bad they feel. And they recognize the difference between feeling good and feeling bad. Uh, I think that's huge. And and that's such a phenomenal life skill in general, just to empower yourself, take self-responsibility and understand the why and see it. And even like coping mechanisms, like if you can learn that through sports or nutrition or what have you, um, where it's you, you learn, you understand, you know, the why, and then you know how to deal with it. I think that translates to so many other things. And knowing that um, our young people have access to this information, whether it's, you know, the teacher or their parents or social media, what have you, and they can kind of learn some of these life skills early on, it's it's a game changer. Um, and something else you pointed out, which I just want to briefly chat on, it, when you said, you know, the, the difference in the socioeconomic status of our young people and how nutrition plays a role because of income or exposure or, or healthy food uh, availability is a major conversation when you see like food banks and whatnot. And I, it, you know, something with the coronavirus, uh, knowing that a lot of kids get two of their three meals a day from school. And I think communities have done a really good job trying to maintain that while everything is shut down, but they have complete control over what those kiddos are eating. And the parents, that's probably one of their least concerns because they have bigger things to worry about. And there's probably some pretty deep partnerships amongst the schools and Coca-Cola. They're probably not going to be a sponsor of Tumic and Tequila at some point. So <laughs> we'll call them out. Um, but some of these guys that, you know, these are deep, deep business partnerships. So now big conglomerate has control over young humans, you know, from two to 18 then we get into the conversation of our healthcare system because now they've developed some of these, you know, different diseases or diabetes or eating habits. Now we're leaning on the government to take care of our healthcare situation. So I know these are much larger conversations, but do you guys want to talk about anything around um, economic status, socioeconomic status and nutrition, the, the lack thereof of nutrition exposure or um, how you guys, maybe a good way to navigate around that for people in that position? It's, you know, I think, I, I think it's such, it's such an important topic and such a big topic, but my sort of the bit, the big takeaway points for that is we know that the, the areas of towns where, where the poor people live. Okay. We know that those areas of town are targeted by the fast food industry. This is just a fact. There's a great book called uh, Fast Food Genocide that explains that really, really well and, um, and documents the research around that. And, and, and it specifically targets that population of people and makes them sicker. 
they're less likely to have access to health care to grocery stores, to fruits and vegetables. Um, and uh, unfortunately, our school system, when it comes to nutrition, it's not, they don't, it's the way that the food is prepared or, or what is on the plate, I should say, is decided by um, the food pyramid and, and, and those guides and not necessarily what's in the best interest of the child's health. And so you, you really, and, and of course we're trusting that our school system and that our government is going to be doing what's in their best interest. But in reality, it's, it's, it's really about money and it's about the subsidies and, and things I don't really fully understand, but I know that it's not necessarily at all about the children's health. Um, and and it's, it's devastating because the majority of people can't afford to send a packed breakfast and lunch for their child to school. I mean, um, it's, it's every single day. It's just not a reality. Right. Right. Well, and I, I think, and I don't want to knock the system because I know it does provide fuel for kiddos that would otherwise have no um, option and it really immensely helps families. So I'm definitely here for that. Uh, I, 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 but I still believe that, you know, even if they're eating that now and they can start to question things or even seeing your guys come to seeing your children come to school with something different. I even think that plant sets a huge seed. Uh, and again, with social media, everything's so accessible with the internet. I really believe our young people will get on and find out for themselves and, or pay attention and be like, God, you know, I don't feel good today. And I did eat donuts. Maybe this isn't a good idea. Mm -hmm. um, this stuff is happening so much earlier. So, uh, I applaud even those little efforts I think are big. Go Carla. I, so I have to I just I have to say this because she was I like raising her hand digitally. I'm like, <laughs> go girl. Me, I'm like, me, me, me. <laughs> and that is you're very right. I mean, that's a big topic with not any type of simple answer whatsoever. And I think what is so hard is most kiddos like that they have no idea where food comes from. They think it comes from the bag, from the convenience store that it is that is bought from, and so that's why I love um, the the company that Teddy and I have partnered with. Um, they there is a gentleman um, that has also it has a kind of a dual partnership with this same company, where he was a school teacher in the Bronx in New York City, and. He, that was the poorest, like, area in the entire country. They have the high, they had one of the highest um, dropout rates. And he brought Tower Garden Farming, which is like aeroponic gardening, into his school system and began teaching kids how to grow their own food how, where food comes from, getting them interested in their, their farming of food. And they were wanting to taste all the greens and, and basically completely turned around this entire, not just school, but the community yeah. as well. And they now have 
I don't 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 quote me on this, but I think it's like a ninety-three or a ninety-seven percent graduation rate in that school wow. system. Okay. And he has he has taken that and gone all over not just our country but the world and showing schools. He got like uh worldwide teacher of the year. Uh, a couple years ago. I mean, it, he's phenomenal. It, all you have to look up is Green Bronx Machine. That's the title green? of what Green Bronx Machine. Bronx, green Bronx. Okay. I will his name is Stephen Ritz. It's Stephen with a PH and Ritz, R-I-T-Z. He's phenomenal and doing so many great things for the, the lower socioeconomic class to teach them about food and help create community farms where, where there are food deserts so that they can still have access to healthy food. It's awesome. That's, that's amazing. Well, and then you get into, it's not just, again, uh, performing better in school, but you get into in mental health and uh, helping um, our young people avoid the healthcare system down the road so they're not on antidepressants or like all these medications, you know, in their teens. And uh, youth and suicide is such a conversation now. And um, I've been out of <laughs> high school and college now for a minute, uh, but not that long. And so it blows my mind to see, you know, maybe we would have, a death by suicide when I was growing up, or maybe one or two, which is still way too much. Now it's like four or five or or ten. I mean, it's insane. Uh, out here in Denver, we had th I think three or four last year, and they were in well-to-do schools. And you, when you see how much food impacts, you know, our hormonal system and the ability, so many other things. And we won't go down this rabbit hole because that's a whole podcast in itself. But how much it impacts the mental health situation in that conversation, in addition to ability to learn or pay attention in class and navigating your own ad and some of these other things that start so early now. Um, it's, it's huge. And you do see a lot of this stuff alongside alcohol and tobacco marketed to our um, lower income neighborhoods. And it's, it's really, it's, it's a travesty, but I'm with you guys. I believe that our young kiddos will ask uh, questions and question a better way and seek it out any way they can. And I champion all of my humans um, that are doing, you know, uh, entering into food desert situations and growing gardens and creating documentaries and creating this conversation to uh, shake up the system and, and what's going on. Because I really think that, you know, new eating well doesn't have to be expensive. And then you navigate around all of the costs of your healthcare. If you can keep yourself healthy at home and eat a certain way and navigate around medications and doctor's appointments and everything else and not have to lean onto the system, it's a game changer. And your quality of life is so much different. So it, that's right. It's hard, but it, it's out there. Um, I, I want to pivot a little bit into what you guys talked about. Uh, both of these guys did a phenomenal YouTube um, presentation uh, and it's, I'm going to read it what it is. I don't know what the quick title is, but it's food is medicine, the journey of the immune system through the prevention treatment and uh, oh my gosh, I can't even remember writing remission of cancer. Did I say it right? We good. Okay. Um, 
I encourage anyone to watch it. And when I post this cast, I'll post the link, but they did a really good job of making um, a deeper conversation, easily digestible on, you know, why we should eat different and how this can, and how changing your diet can positively impact your current situation. You know, whether you're just trying to be healthy or if you are um, a person that does have cancer, how sugar and, and, eating a bad diet can impact that. Do you guys want to lean into a little bit, I, and it's an hour long presentation, but a little of an overview of how um, eating well can be, you know, a piece of the prevention of disease. And then if you are in the realm of fighting cancer or disease, how it can help your situation. Well, I think the most important Thing in particular, when you're thinking about chronic diseases that I, I always like to point out is that most people think, well, it runs in my family, so I'm in trouble. You know, that's my destiny. I can't change that. And in reality, very few chronic diseases are actually actually genetically um, uh, genetically, um, caused, uh, there may be some predisposition, but, um, uh, to just truly be like, you don't have a choice kind of genetics, like your eyes are blue. So they're just kind of blue and that's, that's all, that's all you get. Um, and I think that's what people don't understand. So I always like to point out that 85 to 95% of chronic diseases are lifestyle related. So regardless of your genetics, you can turn to turn those, you know, you can choose to turn those genes on and off like a light switch, depending on what you do with your lifestyle. So if everybody in your family has diabetes or, you know, there's 10 different cancers in your family, you can choose differently with a different lifestyle and you will probably be able to avoid the majority of those types of uh, chronic diseases. It's not, you know, people can do everything 100% right and still get sick and people can do what, everything 100% wrong and never get sick. But those are usually the minority of people. Most of us kind of are in, in that in-between zone. Uh, if you if you do well, you'll live well. And if you do poorly, you won't, you will live poorly. Uh, and I think that's just such a key component to understand and cancer is not different. Um, and so, you know, only about five to 10% of cancers are actually genetic, truly genetic. And, um, and everything else is, is what you're, what you're putting into your body, how well you're moving your body, how stressed you are, whether you're getting, you know, exercise, whether you're meditating or praying or whatever, you know, whatever your method of stress relief is. Um, and I think that should give us a lot of hope. And that was what I was trying to get through that message that no, it's not going to cure your cancer if you have, if you have cancer, but it, it, it can absolutely be um, a wonderful tool for you to have to, um, to prevent or if, during treatment. Uh, we know that there's fewer side effects 
during treatment from your chemotherapy if you're eating a healthful diet. And we know that your chance of remission and, 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 and having lower mortality rates from your cancer is much is much improved with, with superior nutrition, which is why I love talking about food as medicine and why I love our business model because um, it really allows for you to just fuel your body with nutrients. Yeah. That's amazing. Uh, Carla, you got anything off that? I mean, I think Teddy, Teddy spoke of it. I, I mean, I can speak from personal experience. My mom is undergoing cancer treatment right now. Mm-hmm. And so I have, it is, she's been on a journey kind of alongside me, much, much, much slower pace than mine. But, you know, it, it, the beauty of Teddy and I's relationship is, you know, she's kind of taught me, you know, hey, everybody's got their own journey. We just have to give them grace and be there to support them. And so that's what I've done. But then with that diagnosis, you know, I, I did push her to to really, hey, you know, you, you really need to look at your diet to help you. And she's had to undergo two different surgeries. She's had to undergo radiation. Um, and throughout it all, she was flooding her body with the best nutrition that she could and, and even kind of stepped her game up even in the last three or four months while undergoing radiation. And that is, is radiation and chemo, same thing. They're both just brutal on your body. And it, it did, it did knock her down. Don't get me wrong, but she wasn't experiencing near the number of side effects and issues that a lot of other people undergo. And her doctors kept telling her, oh, my gosh, that they were amazed at how well she was doing. And, um, and, and you know, they, they were giving her not the best expert advice on nutrition. And, and that you know, kind of goes back to what we were saying earlier. They were, they were experts on cancer treatment, and they were phenomenal, and they've done such a great job, but they're, they're not experts on nutrition, and it was evident by the advice that they were giving her. But luckily, you know, between Teddy and I, we were able to help her understand, and she listened, and that's why she's just doing – so much better now and recovering so much better because of flooding her body. And so that's just kind of from personal experience. I mean, it does, it absolutely can make a huge difference. Yeah. Um, well, I'm sending, thank you for sharing that. I'm sending power vibes to your mom right now. Uh, oh, thank you. Yeah. Cancer is never easy to deal with and unfortunately impacts every single human. I know everybody knows somebody in some capacity that's, that's battled, uh, cancer at some point in time. And it's, it's a heavy conversation. Um, and this is why I really, and it's hard again, I, I really do think it's generational or older generations. It's just, it's new conversation. So there's such resistance there where young people, you can throw some stuff at them and they'll actually question a better way and they'll, they'll research, they'll Google it, they'll YouTube it. Um, but uh, you know, I'd say with my parents as well, it's, it's, and my grandparents, especially it's like, (laughs) we're, we're having to kick down some walls, but I love that you guys are health professionals and you have the credentials and the ethos to say, 
I am a doctor. I'm an RN. I could, I, I, I know the traditional routes that I've, I'm schooled and, you know, I've got the resume to open up those doors. And I think, you know, our older generations, they're not going to, I mean, they won't listen to me. I'm not a health professional. I mean, maybe in the fitness space, but by no means a doctor, a nutritionist, nurse, nothing like that. Um, I've probably read and <laughs> seen way too many documentaries, but that just those credentials alone and having you guys kind of like soldiers in that war, changing the message with the background that makes that kicks down the door to have that conversation is huge and saying, <clears throat> We understand food pyramid. We've gone through college. We've gone through med school. We've done all this. And we've done this side stuff. We suggest this and that those credentials are so critical um, in breaking down the doors, I think, for older generations, if that makes sense. So I love knowing that we have you guys as health professionals on the front lines with like this whole asterisk of here's how we question a better way and here's what we can implement because it's so huge that we have people on that side of things speaking the way you guys speak. Does that make sense? It does. It's very exciting to see people change their life. Um, when you see that happen in front of you, it's, it's just so incredibly rewarding. Do you guys get kickback at all, uh, from health professionals, um, on your same level? Like, are, do they embrace what you guys are saying? Or they're like, no, 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 you should be practicing traditional medicine. Like, how do you guys navigate that, those conversations, if it happens? Gosh, where how to even how, where to even okay. begin? Is that a whole podcast too? <laughs> Probably okay. a whole podcast, but um, I don't I don't get as much pushback per se because um, they they really just don't know how to push back necessarily. But what I do get is um, sort of contradictory contradictory information given to my patient all the time or I do teach an intensive therapeutic lifestyle medicine program uh, for our big group of physicians and um, they they just won't like refer their patients into it um, oh, and so it's okay. kind of like this passive aggressive type of behavior sometimes, unfortunately, or like the cardiologist will come and talk to a senior group and say that food doesn't have anything to do with cholesterol. And I just want to, you know, kind of pull my hair out, you know, and I have a whole bunch of my, they, they call themselves chippers because the program is called chip, the complete health improvement program. And so my chippers will be in that, that audience and they're just like, but, 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 and so they're in my office the next day going, but he said this and I, and can, can you give us those studies? And I just hit the print button and I had them, you know, they went over there and they took it to him to let him read them, which I'm sure he has actually. But, um, I think those are the, fr the frustrating, um, the frustrating things. And I don't know why that's happening. I think part of it is because they, they, they just don't know. You don't know what you don't know until you, until you figure it out. And the other part is that they, they, it's just not their priority. Um, yeah. uh, or you think you, or they think you have an agenda, 
Uh, and my only true, and I do, my agenda is for people not to have chronic diseases. <laughs> so yeah. I guess they're right. Uh, but I don't have any other agenda beyond that. Right. Well, I mean, agenda is vitamin A. That's every, every major company out there has agenda. Like newsflash Coca-Cola has agenda. Uh, Adderall has an agenda. Like people are just so used to, but a doctor said, and pills are not bad. That's how it fixes things. Like this, these associations are so deeply ingrained in our mind. And that's why I love working with people like you guys, because you guys are the medical professionals and I can help on the marketing side. I'm like, well, if I can disrupt marketing in this agenda and you guys can be like this, the people on the ground and actually enforcing what we should be doing collectively, we might be able to make the world just a little bit better of a place. Um, Carla, do you have any commentary? I mean, no, I think Teddy pretty much said it. I, I, you know, and here's the thing. Yes, you're, you're going to get questioned. Um, but to me, you can't question science and science has proven what eating more plants and eating a plant-based diet and things like that does for the body. What is hard is to get other healthcare providers to look at the science. And and Teddy will be the first to tell you, I mean, I when I tried to get her to look at the science behind what we were doing to help elevate our nutrition, it, it took her to finally looking at the science to go, oh, wow, okay. Um, but, you know, like, like she said, it's not a priority for these physicians, and it is time-consuming. You know, to read through research articles is time-consuming, and they're already overworked. And so to then have to go spend time when it's not their priority, you know, a lot of them aren't going to do it. But if we, can, if we can have them look at the science, it's not going to change everybody's opinion. I think sometimes the way that you're taught is ingrained for so long, you will find a way to ignore the science or be able to say, well, this or that, but, but it's, it's science. You can't argue that. And so if everything that we teach is backed by science, it's not just, Hey, this is our opinion. This is what we think. It's based on research. Yeah. And I, well, and I think you have real examples in your life, you know, your mom or, um, uh, Teddy, you coming off and making major lifestyle switches and seeing the difference. Uh, this is where I really do believe in influencer marketing. I know you guys potentially aren't being, you know, uh, intentional around follow me, listen to my voice, hear this, but just you living it and seeing, um, or people seeing you live it. I think that is enough just to open, um, or plant the seed of open-mindedness and then people kind of begin their own journey. I think it's so powerful and I think it's so important and that it is genuinely influencer marketing to have you guys out and doing things like this, or literally just speaking every single day, not just even to patients, but to other healthcare professionals. Cause I know it's somewhere in there. It, it had to run across her mind. Like, you know, this is a lot of money on drugs or, you know, I, the, this is curing this, but there's all these side effects. Like, is there a better way? And I'm here for medicine. I, I think there is a time and place for a lot of these things. It's just how much, what, what is the motive? And is there a way around that outside of, you know, just taking all these pills and like having all these side effects and um, just diminishing the quality of life all the way around. 
so I think that's really powerful. And I, I really do uh, remain hopeful that there is evolution and there is change because of people like you two that are in these influential communities out there on the front lines every day, having conversation, um, planting the seeds of open-mindedness and uh, really, you know, inspiring that evolution in everybody's individual thought process around food and medicine and, and general wellness. Um, well, that's right back at you because without, I mean, you're giving people the platform to be able to, you know, we can only reach but so many people. So it takes, it takes people like you that are wanting to get that message across. So uh, that's right back at you. I think what you're doing is awesome. Well, thank you. I, I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a team, a sports human at heart, and everything kind of relates back to the lacrosse feet or CrossFit or some lacrosse field or CrossFit uh, in some capacity because I think you need a team. Like I, I'll never be a doctor, I'll never be a nurse, and so I need good people in my back pocket to be like, okay, I can tell you how to do this or market a brand or package you nutritional stuff, go here. You need a, a nurse or a doctor's advice, go here. And I think it's so important that every human out there builds their team and has their great humans where they can outsource certain things because we can't know it all. And it's a disservice to try and know it all. Like, I mean, for you to sit down and try and help me be a doctor is years. And that's not really my brain in general. I'm creative and, you know, that's not my expertise. So it's a disservice to kind of try and do everything where you can, again, build your team and have your professionals um, in, in each leg of life. Cause it really does fit together. You need fitness, you need nutrition, you need mental health and wellness. Uh, you need good community around you. Uh, it really does take a village and filtering out your team is, it, it's a hard thing, but God, it's so necessary and it's phenomenal when you can have that support in those different capacities. Um, on that note, can you guys tell me a little bit about, um, good people around you, how, you know, you, you do like how you guys have come together, how you guys have kind of naturally just built out your team or your people that you go to for different things. Does that make sense? <laughs> Should I cue cricket? <laughs> kind of like our, like our, like our, our, our circle of go-to people when like, just health and nutrition related or just in the realm of everything? I think realm of everything, like as, as keeping, or if you guys like consciously or unconsciously built out a team around where you outsource or have conversations strategically. So with different people in your world, like you have your key influencers. Ish. Ish. Uh, I think that it's like in my small circle of friends, um, I think it get, it's really important that you surround yourself with like-minded individuals so that you can feel like you can be sort of your authentic self without being judged. And, um, and that can be really, really difficult as a physician mom in particular to find. Um, it's kind of a lonely lonely existence it can be which I, is why i'm very thankful for carla and some of the women that she has introduced me to because now we're you know kind of part of this 
um, in a sense, revolution of, of moms who just want to have a healthier lifestyle for, for them, themselves and their families. I think on a greater scale, I definitely have my influencers um, that I try to surround myself with and, you know, people like Dr. Furman uh, and, um, and, and other physicians that are my role models, the people that I uh, stride to sort of uh, be like when I grow up, <laughs> if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. So. Yeah. And same here. I mean, I, you know, they tell you you're the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. And so I really do try and surround myself with people are, that are going to help me to grow and to learn. And, and Teddy is absolutely one of those. I mean, I learn from her daily. And, and it's, and so, you know, in every realm, you know, in my spiritual life, I have, you know, the spiritual person or two that I kind of tend to lead towards. I've got Teddy in the kind of the health realm and, and many other people, but yeah, it's all about finding like-minded people and not that, you know, Hey, everybody has to think the exact same way I do, but like-minded in the realm of, Hey, we want to serve others. We want to help others. We, we want to make an, a greater impact for good. You know, how we go about it may be different, but we all have that same mindset. And so that, that's just really rewarding to find those people and, and be able to surround yourself daily with them. Yeah, I could not agree more. And I, um, I liked what you said a little, well, number one, I think keeping the really great people or people that are like you around you are so huge because you are the sum of that, uh, group of humans and the influence within that and the support is so critical. So if you get in the wrong mix, it, you know, it's equally as impacting. So that's a very conscious check-in. I think, uh, as much as you can on who's around me, what am I, you know, how am I influenced by this group and is it beneficial to my existence and whatever my purpose is? Um, but when you said earlier, uh, you know, everybody kind of has their own journey, so you can be out there, you can be intentional, but some people just takes time and hence graceful disruption. We're good on the disruption side, but grace is something I'm still embracing. Uh, I tend to run through the wall, like the sugar-free Kool-Aid man and just be like, here's the message. Here's what we got to do. But you really do have to meet people where they're at and know that so much of this is still really new conversation and it's complicated conversation. Uh, so providing that space and grace and patience is is really critical. So if you can have that crew around you that maybe you can tag the okay, I've been out here for a minute speaking and I'm exhausted. Can you take can you take the mic and go over that? And collectively, we're kind of in our communities, um, you know, speaking accordingly it's a, it's a jungle. Um, do you guys have good recommendations? Um, we're coming up on an hour and I want to be sensitive to everybody Saturday, so I won't keep you too much longer, but good recommendations, uh, for maybe like two or three health tips. If there's somebody out there that's like, what are a few things that, you know, I'm, I, I, I want to be healthier. Uh, and I know this is a large conversation, but what are three things like that I could do right now that I could change that are not overly complicated. Eat more fruits and vegetables. Bottom line, seven to 11 servings minimum a day. 
Um, I think that's a great place to start. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. You don't have to eat ones you don't like. Write a list. Uh, you know, column A, all your favorite fruits. Column B, all your favorite vegetables. And make sure that you're eating 7 to 11 fist-sized servings a day of them. I think that's the probably the most impactful thing, especially right now with what, what's going on with our current state of health, having, you know, the, the uh, ability to boost your immune system in such a powerful way by by just making that change can can have very uh, significant impact on um, on kind of how we all fare out of this uh, as as a community. Completely agree, Carla. How about you? Yeah, I mean, I absolutely. I think that's the number one thing they could do. I mean, I think you can also add you know, drink more water get more sleep. I mean, reducing stress is a lot easier said than done, but stress, it can be very detrimental to your body, you know? So moving your body. And a lot of people think exercise means I got to go run five miles. Just move your body, go for a walk, go mow your lawn, you know, anything that's going to get your body moving. It doesn't mean you have to be pouring sweat at the end. Um, and, and I love what Teddy said. Notice she didn't say stop eating X, Y, and Z. It, you, you don't have to concentrate on stopping something. Concentrate on adding more in. Yeah. And naturally, if you're adding more fruits and vegetables, some of the things that you maybe normally eat might fall off because guess what? They also are very filling. And so if you can work on getting more of the good stuff, you naturally will eat less of the, the unhealthy stuff. Completely agree. I think it's the the key point for that, for every conversation I've ever had, um, is just to not be overwhelming with recommendations. Just like eat better, eat you know more fruits and veggies, drink more water, sleep more, exercise, and then just find a way to fit it in and just tiptoe your toe into the shallow end of the pool and then gradually get, you know, towards, uh, the deeper into the pool and really dialing in. And I really think a major piece of that is just awareness, like recognize how different you feel making these little changes. And I think that if you're aware of it is incentive enough to like, keep going and really recognize how much like cognitive clarity happens and better sleep and you're more energy for your kids or whatever. Um, but I think those are all, you know, really great tips and not to get overwhelmed because they're it, just like on the marketing side, you can get inundated with what to change and this and that. And it's, it's so overwhelming. You just like naturally push back and it's, it's just too much. Um, and so, and these guys are advocates, um, advocates or ambassadors, or maybe both for juice plus. And that's what Jen and I's conversation has, has been along. And this is by no means an infomercial or anything like that. Um, this all comes from genuine heart space. Do you guys want to talk about your relationship with juice plus and how that's supplemented your lifestyle thus far? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we, we've partnered with this company uh, whose mission is inspiring healthy living around the world. I mean, that is just simply what we are all about. It was a very natural fit for the both of us um, because 
you know, you talk about embracing and surrounding yourself with like-minded people. Well, that is, those are the type of people that are, that partner with this company that really want to make a difference, want to serve others. And, you know, for me, it was, it was something that I kind of jumped in two feet at once and said, okay. And then was like, well, wait, I don't, I don't need a business. I'm super busy. I've got two kids. We're moving. We're like, I mean, I could give you every excuse in the book as to why I didn't or want to do this. But um, in talking to people like Jen, what I started to realize is that it is so much more than that. And it really was allowing people to have lifestyle freedom which was something that I absolutely desired. My husband's a college baseball coach, and um, he works a lot, and we moved a lot. And that left me extremely lonely. And um, because when you move every two to three years, you just, you're never able to create the types of relationships that you really want to be able to create. Yeah. And Becoming part of this community not only let me kind of fulfill the servant's heart that I have of wanting to help people and help people with their health. I mean, it's why I became a nurse. But this was the first time I actually felt like I was truly making impact for good and changing people's health in a significant way, not just putting a Band-Aid approach on you know, what, what we were doing in the hospital, but actually changing it for the better and helping them to prevent and reverse disease. And, and so this community just wrapped me in a blanket of love and acceptance from the get-go, which is not something I'd ever experienced in my life before um, outside of maybe sports teams where you kind of, you know, you're kind of forced to. Um, but since, you know, leaving high school, I hadn't had that. And so that's been incredible. And, and being able to have a paycheck that directly reflects all of that is about the most rewarding thing that, that I could absolutely ask for. And it has created tons of lifestyle freedom for us. I mean, it allowed my husband and I the confidence to say yes to adding to our family. And allowing us to have that third child, which I especially desperately wanted. Um, and so, and not have to, to make decisions out of fear. I mean, we had said we weren't ready yet because we were fearful of finances. Like, can we afford a third child? So, you know, my goal in all of this is to, to truly help inspire healthy living, to help people, um, but also so that other people can create the same kind of lifestyle that they want and so that parents and, and, and women especially don't have to make choices out of fear yeah. for their family, to give them the freedom to make a decision from a heart place and not a head place. Yeah, well said. Well said. Teddy, do you want to jump on the back of that? Yeah, I mean, for me, it was a little bit of a different journey because I was already 
already a big supporter of plant-based nutrition. So when, when Carla introduced this to me, which I had never heard of uh, before I met her, I, um, and once I read the research, I was just like, everybody needs to know about this. It's a, a great tool to have in my toolbox of tricks, as I like to call it. And, um, and being able to offer all of my patients another another way to fuel their bodies in addition to eating uh, plants and um, whether they're they're ready to take the leap now with their changing their nutrition or they've already made the leap and are eating um, very plant strong nutrition there's a place for juice plus to improve their health and um you know it's something they can do right away and i and, and i love that and it just it's such a it's it's it just fits right in with with my journey yeah and my family has really enjoyed it i do love the convenience of it because i think that's critical i mean even you can do try and do everything right but you know to when you're traveling or whatever life is is what it is and so it's hard to to do everything right. Um, what made you just because I like to be devil's advocate and I'm on the marketing and branding side. What made you guys choose uh, Juice Plus over other options? Research. Okay. Yep. And the, the research. Just food. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Because additives and everything else. Okay. Um, just for, this is more of like a selfish question, but I, I being turmeric and tequila, I do try and cut corners and like play the, the field where I can. So usually if it's, you know, a tequila day or having a drink, I'll, um, take activated charcoal. Do I just want to get your, do you, are you guys familiar with activated charcoal? I am not. No. I'm not either. Oh, no. Okay, this is the non-nutritionist <laughs> talking, but now, um, now you need to educate us. On yes. It. Oh, this is like a drinking hack, and if it's placebo, we're still embracing it. Uh, so, activated <laughs> charcoal is just—it's charcoal, and it helps absorb uh, toxins in your system. So if I'm, you know, having some tequila, whatever, I'll usually take activated charcoal prior to any alcohol or even like crappy food, uh, or if I'm just not feeling good. And I didn't know, I mean, it's just been in like the CrossFit community and we all just kind of take it here and there. Uh, but maybe that's something I'll get back to you guys on. Look it up. Um, if you've ever seen like naked and afraid, it, it, uh, they'll use it to purify their water. Cause obviously when you're on there, you don't have any resource. And so it absorbs all these, I think free, free radicals and toxins. I could be completely botching this, but I think it works. So I was just curious if you guys <laughs> leaned into that at all. No. The only time I've seen it used is in the ER when somebody overdoses. Oh, <laughs> so I don't, not on that level know, yet. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I <laughs> okay. So I don't, I don't have any. You know, I don't know how well. I don't know how well it works in the circumstances that you're describing. But I'm definitely going to look it up now because you have piqued my curiosity. Yeah. I, I sir, I think it's a drinking hack. Like if you're going to have a few, take it before, and I think you. You are you feel better than you do um 
just not taking it. Uh, but I've also got into like, I, I drink tequila now because it is plant-based and it's, you know, it's the, it's as clean as you can get. It's still alcohol, obviously, but I'm someone that likes to just toe the line just enough to where, Oh no, we're going to have a little tequila night. We're still going to get up and work out tomorrow. We're going to hydrate. We're taking charcoal. We're getting all, we're going to cover the bases. Um, so balance is the beauty in my world for, for the, that we try to do it. Uh, okay. Well, where do we, uh, I'll post the YouTube link, but can you guys tell me really quick where, um, any other projects you want to talk about or any piece of, um, information or conversation that you want to talk about right now? I mean, this is free space to share what's going on or highlight anything you want to highlight. I don't have anything in particular other than that I just want to bring bring note of resources that people can use. You know, there's two documentaries I recommend that all of my patients watch, Forks Over Knives and The Game Changers. Um, and I'm happy to send those to you, like I've the names. Game Changers. Um, okay, good. Yes, and I watch everything, like Stink, uh, The Great Hack on the digital side and social media. Um, Game Changers has gotten a crap load of kickback um, around, and I try and lean on both sides always, uh, around some of the research in that. Have you, can you enlighten me on your response to any of the kickback on that documentary? I can. I think the research is extremely solid in that okay. documentary. It actually supports the general, um, the general consensus in nutrition. Uh, and, and I thought that it was really well done and all the experts in that documentary are truly experts in their field, regardless of, um, what they do personally. So a lot of the kickback that they get is that they, uh, people commentate on how it's got a vegan agenda and all of this stuff, but actually a lot of the, a lot of the experts are not vegan in that documentary. It just, they speak to the science. Um, and, um, and so uh, there's, I think Joe Rogan did a great podcast with the, um, the documentary guy from the game changers, as well as Chris Kresser. Um, and, uh, they, where they had a great debate. And I think that it was pretty clear about how much research actually went into that documentary and how well of a job, um, he did putting that movie together. Okay. I mean, I watched it and I was like, Oh, well, we're never eating meat again. Like that's it. Like, and I think the angle they took around in particular young males and, um, uh, we'll say their sexual abilities. I, I think it was an angle to stick, but then I heard so much kickback. So I've been meaning to dig more into like the research and really, uh, kind of upheave some of what was behind that, who are the producers, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and I've been meaning to listen to the podcast with him and Joe Rogan. So, um, on it's, the it's a great, great podcast. And I will say this when it comes to cardiovascular disease, meat is not your friend and that is extremely well documented the only diet that has ever been demonstrated as a matter of fact the only anything that's ever been demonstrated to melt plaque away from arteries is a whole food plant-based vegan 
no oil diet and you literally see those plaques melting away from the blood vessels which is why you get such a huge response improvement in erectile dysfunction as well as um, chest pain and all of those kinds of things and so it's really not surprising that young men have that response when they have healthy blood vessels and you give them all this extra nitric oxide or are you talking about older males that actually have erectile dysfunction um, I've seen that reversed with plant-based nutrition and this is very very well documented in the literature and this is this is not pseudoscience. This is real evidence-based um, nutritional science. Right. And I just want to piggyback on that. Even if the vegetable angle doesn't, our plant-based situation doesn't appeal to you, I would then encourage someone to dig into the environmental impact and or the impact Correct. on just killing animals and the way they do all that. The more I got into that, I just had to quit watching and quit knowing yeah. because it's such yeah. a dark reality um, on what it is. And I'm a deep animal lover. I'm a dog mom of mm -hmm. two beautiful little animals. They're my bosses. Um and just knowing kind of what goes on in that world, even outside of the nutritional conversation, I encourage someone to lean in and see really what's going on. Cause I think that will be enough mm -hmm. for you to like, pass the apples. We're good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So two documentaries. That's amazing. Do you have any personal projects that are happening or anything that you'd want to share? Um, you no, know, I mean, they're all kind of relevant to our community here and within the Lynchburg area. You know, we have walk with the doc. I'm actually wearing my t-shirt today. Okay. I, I walk with, I walk with my patients every third Saturday and actually cool. anybody in the community. Um, and then I teach a, a class called the complete health improvement program, which is a three month lifestyle course. Um, again, that's all taught here in our area. So I don't have any major projects out there that are going to reach audiences outside of our area at this particular time. I mean, you never know. We'll see. Okay. But I'll, I'll post all that. You never know. Phenomenal. And walk with the yeah. doc. We might have a doctor listening. And it's like, oop, like that idea. I'm going to hit you up because I think we need to. Uh, they, they are a worldwide organization. Oh, okay. It's not my invention. You just go to walk with a doc and you Google that and you can sign up to be a, a physician or a, or or a nurse or anyone who wants to walk with um walk with uh, community members that's amazing okay um all right carla hit us with what's uh what's going on in your world oh, oh we can't we hear you her. Sorry, I forgot I muted my. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> I was like, no, you have um, stuff. Where are you? Okay. I, yeah, I, I have this little guy currently. So he was making noise. So I thought, well, let me mute myself. Um, one, since Teddy was talking about two documentaries, you know, one book, and, and this came at her recommendation, but it, it's been so enlightening is the book Eat to Live by Michael Greger. And again, it's amazing because it is all based on research. I think there's over a hundred page index at the end of all the research that he references throughout the book. So that if somebody's like, well, I don't, I don't know about that. You can literally go to the end reference, you know, the research article that that came from. Um, but that has been, that has been huge for me, for my education. 
Um, and I, you know, being an athlete and my husband being a, a coach in the athletic world, the game changers was he, I'm pretty sure did exactly what you did, came home that night. Um, and we, whatever meat was in the fridge, he threw it away. Wow. And um, apparently he needs to watch that every day, though, because he's kind <laughs> of slowly trended back now. He, he is not nearly as plant-based as I am. But again, you know, it, everybody's on their own journey. And, and so I, I give him grace in, in that. But, um, yeah, I mean, my, my goal is, is always to just help educate. I mean, that was why we did the, the – um, the event that we did the other night on cancer and, um, you know, our, I want to create this YouTube channel of more and more educational exposures like that, that people from wherever can come and learn and see the science and hear the information and hear how G plus can be a, a, a simple one simple change that they can make that literally takes no effort um, to kind of start their journey to a healthier lifestyle. It was hands down the very first step in our journey, and it made the rest of it so much easier than if we had tried to do it all on our own. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I agree. Small things. Uh, oh, go ahead. We got we got a digital hand raise. I just have one correction. The book is actually called How Not to Die by Michael Greger. <laughs> not Thank eat to you. live. You're so right. Oh my you kind of like right. you rebranded it to a more positive spin. I like it. The, the well, there is one called Eat to Live, isn't there? I think so. There yeah. There is. It's by it's by Dr. Joel Furman. The yeah. Eat to Live book is by Dr. Joel Furman. How not to, how die. Not to die by Dr. Michael Greger. See, this is why I have to have her. Dude, he worked I, <laughs> I just, I love you. I just see this emoji. I love how polite you guys are. I just barge in, be like, "Yo, I'm here." But we like, we're so polite. It's, it's digital etiquette. I like it. Um, it's hilarious. I, I got to start recording these. We'll see if I can even get this one out there. But um, no, those are great. Okay, so where do we find you guys? Give me um, IG handles, digital, social, websites, where you at? Oh, that's terrible. That's terrible. I mean, I have my own. Business. Oh, I mean, you're a doctor. You got better things to okay. do. But. I, think, I think, I mean, I am on Instagram, and it's it's mom to MD. That I know. Okay. I am on Facebook. I am on Facebook With as two. well. Mom number two. That's MD. right, the number two. Yep. Uh, and then I am on Facebook with my own name. So you can find okay. me there. <laughs> I'll, I'll post all these. I love when I ask. And so often, because again, I'm usually digging out the non-influencer influencers. They're like, I don't know. If it's influencer, they're like, oh, it's right here. Here's all six of my pictures. Yeah. Here's this, which I'm kind of that human, so I'm not knocking it. Um, but it's, it, it's so I appreciate the humility and not being super tied to your digital self. I'm about you, say, is it bad that I could have told you her her Instagram? No, I, 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 I poked the bear, but I'm on that side. I get it because I've basically lived, and especially now with coronavirus, it's like all things emoji and digital. Um, mm -hmm. I'm more of my emoji self these days than my actual physical self. <laughs> uh, but Carla, Carla, where are you? I'll be impressed if you know hers and you don't know yours. 
no, I do. I did have to stop. I was like, wait, oh yes. Uh, my my Instagram is Mama M A M A Set Free. Okay. And Facebook, it, it's Carla with a K Jones. But you know, there's probably thousands of us out there. Yeah. Um. So that that one's going to be a little bit little bit harder to find. But a lot of my posts are public, so. That might be an easy way to kind of, I think if you start scrolling through and find somebody you think is me, you'll know pretty quickly But by the things that I post around health and all that, that it is me. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, I'm so, I'm, I, my brain just works with association. I've actually done a good amount with like brain studies, human optimization. I've done brain mapping and looking at the beta, theta, way too much. Um, but it's awesome. But I really do work visuals are huge for me. So I will often remember your screen name or your handle before I remember your name. It's very bizarre. Um, so we, we always put it out there so that, that me, I'm going to post these, but me asking is more only for my own selfish reasons of like, it'll plant here and then I'll remember. Um, but is there anything else you guys want to share quotes, messaging, any words of advice? One simple step at a time. Yeah. One and live your best life. Live your best life. You only get one. Yes. Cheers to that. And, and things move very fast. Um, I appreciate you guys. I uh, sincerely, from my heart to yours, appreciate that you are on the front lines of uh, health and nutrition and making the world a better place one uh, bite at a time. I think it's a very big deal. And I think what we eat impacts absolutely everything. Uh, and it's the undertone of self-responsibility and taking hold of your own health and not leaning on to TV or professionals or what have you. Cause I, I don't think health and wellness is a one size fits all. I think you got to try things, be aware of your own body and see what really works for you. But fruits and veggies, the basic sleep and water are all critical elements for all of us. Um, so I appreciate you guys. Thank you for what you do. If anything comes up or any events you have, please, please keep me posted. Our turmeric and tequila audience is, is, small and growing, but I think there's some really awesome, uh, game changers within it and people that are embracing graceful disruption. So I think there's kind of like a tribe building within itself. So if there's any way we can support you guys, I'm here for that. Um, and I hope to meet you guys someday in person soon. I know. I'm so sad that we didn't get to, that we're not I all know. in Phoenix, Arizona right now. I know. Yeah, that's Thank you super so much for what you do and, you. and getting this, these messages out. It's, I think it's just absolutely incredible. So thank you. My absolute I pleasure. echo Carla. Yeah. Will you, guys you, be at, will you guys be at the June event out here? Is it June? No, probably not. Oh, Okay. Well, but Indianapolis in the fall, uh, maybe I'll see. Um, if you guys are ever in Denver, please reach out and hit me up and we'll cast in person or go to lunch or whatever, or do a workout or any of the above. Would love it. Sounds good. I right. love it. Well, have an awesome rest of the weekend and please keep in touch. Have an awesome weekend, ladies. I'll chat with you soon. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining Turmeric and Tequila with your host, Kristen Olson. Tune in next time. And don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen.